Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode three of the Rebel and Reawaken podcast. This episode is for anyone who finds themselves at the feet of failure yet again. You feel like throwing in the towel and giving up, or for anyone trying to understand why their loved one just can't seem to stop relapsing. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. Don't give up. Don't. Failure is proof of effort. Failure means you had the courage to try. Failure is not the end. It's simply the beginning of another chance at success. Failure only defeats you if you fail to learn from the experience. Dust yourself off and try again. Today, I am on cloud nine. I recently connected with a friend who I used to use with. We started doing drugs together in high school, but before drugs ever took a hold of us, we were instant best friends. Uh, we have seen a lot of life together. He was there for me when my fiance died suddenly. He was there for me after huge breakups and helped me put my life back together. Uh, he was there for me countless times when I was hurting too bad to help myself. There have been a handful of friends from my high school group um, that we all went down the dark path of addiction together. And a select few of those have a permanent place on my soul. And he's one of them. So some of us have found freedom in sobriety and others of us, or others I pray for every day. Um, this particular friend is someone that I've prayed for every day for the last 17 years. And yesterday I got the text that I'd been waiting for. He has finally sobered up for good and I love it. I am so excited for him. So many of us try to sober up 200 times before it actually sticks. But the day that it sticks, that one time, it's like a light switches for us. And we know that it's the last time that we're ever going to have to quit again. There's just something that's different about that time. It's like you can feel it in your soul and you know that you're finally done. There's no more, well, if things get bad, I can just have one more hit or one more drink or one more time. You have that mindset shift from seeing your substance or behavior of choice as a coping mechanism or your escape plan to seeing it as the death trap that it actually is. So you finally realize you have to find another way to cope with not only life, but with the desire to run back to the poison that has ruined your life. I know because that was me. I quit so many times just to go right back. I'd swear that it was the last time and then before I knew it, I was right back at it. Then one day, I just knew I was done for good. No going back. Over the years, I've tried to be there for my friends who haven't quite had their come to Jesus moment or had their metaphoric switch flipped. And sometimes I've had to walk away from them because enabling is a real thing and it only hurts the person and you. It helps no one. Sometimes it meant loving them from a distance, blocking their number, blocking them on social media. 
but I never stopped loving them, rooting for them, or showing them that when they needed me, when they wanted me to come help them up off the floor and help them try at sobriety again, that I would be there. They always knew my door was open when they needed me and when they were ready to change. They also knew my door was shut to drama, thievery, and handouts for money to use with. Each time when the fog lifts for good, they always say the same thing to me. I'm so sorry for the way I treated you when you were trying to help me, and thank you for never giving up on me. And each time I say to them, I never gave up on you because I knew it wasn't you. I know we all do things that we would never actually do in the name of getting high or drunk. That wasn't you. It was the booze and the drugs. I say all of that as a reminder to someone who has a loved one who just can't seem to stop or to the user who can't believe what they've done. They can't believe they've done these shameful things in the name of getting high. And I just want you to know that substance use disorder is a brain disease. It's not a character fault. It's not a moral de- uh, moral failure. It's a disease and it should be treated as such. Our brain's ability to hijack who we are just to satiate the craving for our substance or behavior of choice is truly baffling. Like addiction hijacks the brain and turns us into someone we most definitely are not. We become so dependent on the substance or behavior of choice that our brains begin to believe that it is more important than any other need in our life. I want you to think back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs way back in high school psychology, or if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a theory that says that humans are unable to achieve emotional, social, or spiritual needs until their basic needs of food, water, shelter are met. So Maslow places our needs on a hierarchy or like a triangle pyramid. I will link to it um, in the show notes, but imagine a triangle that's big on the bottom and small on the top. So at the bottom, we have the need for food, shelter, water. The next level up is safety needs, such as job, personal security, resources. Uh, The next level is love and belonging with friends and family. And then above that is uh, esteem, social status, strength, and freedom. And then at the very tippy top of the pyramid is self-actualization or being the most one can be. Maslow's theory was that we cannot progress up the pyramid unless our needs are met at our current standing. So unless we have food, water, shelter, we can't even begin to fathom needing love and belonging because we're so focused on merely surviving. We can't focus on establishing ourselves in society unless we feel accepted and loved by our family and friends and so on. So it builds on itself. So I want to posit something. If one day you were offered a drink, a drug, or a behavior that suddenly met all of your needs, you didn't worry about food and water, 
you, it made you feel on top of the world. It made you the most fun person at the party. It gained you popularity, esteem, friends, status, and you felt like you were being the most you could ever be. Then your brain would go full force into having that substance or behavior all day, every day, because it was a sure fire way to achieve all of your needs in one place. That, my friends, is how addiction works. It takes over every part of your mind's focus because your brain thinks that that drug or that behavior or that drink um, can meet all of your needs. The more often you give your brain what it wants and it's then rewarded with met needs, the more accustomed your brain becomes to defaulting to choosing that as the path towards happiness. Your brain begins to carve out these well-traversed roads that it starts to travel on on autopilot. So feel happy, drink. Feel sad, drink. Feel mad, drink. Feel anxious, drink. Feel anxious about drinking? Drink. Your mind is has made drinking the answer to all of the questions or drugging or whatever. Fill in the blank. Um, gambling, sex, whatever. Whatever your behavior drug choice is. With all of your mind's power working towards making you want to drink, how do you even stop? It's not that simple. It's not just simple willpower or having enough want to. You must retrain your brain to choose something else to meet your needs. You must create new neural pathways in the brain that lead you towards life-giving options and away from the life-taking drinks or substance or behaviors that you've been engaging in. So. It takes time and a lot of hard work to rewire the most powerful organ in your body, the brain. There are so many techniques out there um, to help someone stop drinking or using, but I'm going to give you my three favorites and the three that helped me stay sober in the first few weeks and months after getting sober off of meth and then again off of the booze. Um, Side note, There are some substances that can be fatal during detox. Um, So please don't ever try to detox at home alone. If you're ready to quit, please call your doctor, visit an ER, or call 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP for help locating a detox center near you. Remember, this addiction has already taken enough from you. Don't let it take your life too. The physical withdrawals of alcohol and behavioral addictions can be excruciating, but trust me, it's worth it. The freedom on the other side is better than any high you'll ever experience. Also, I've heard so many times, well, they only got sober because they went to jail or They detoxed in jail, so does it really even count? They were forced into sobriety. It doesn't matter how or why you found sobriety. 
All that matters is that you did. Your sobriety journey is just as powerful and meaningful as any other person who detoxed or finally quit outside of prison bars. Because guess what? Addiction is a prison to all who are trapped in it. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now and give you my favorite three tips for recovering from failure. So tip number one is forgive yourself. I know it sounds elementary, but no, seriously, forgive yourself. I don't care if this is the first time you've fallen off the wagon or the 15th time you've fallen off the wagon. Remember everything I've said in this podcast. Every single part of your brain is working against you and working against your sobriety. So strive. it is striving towards homeostasis, which you've given it for years. Your most recent past has been consumed with getting and staying numb to everything around you. So give yourself a break. You are undoing years of unhealthy coping mechanisms. You did not get sick overnight and you are not going to get well overnight. So give yourself some grace. The very organ that is made to control you and keep you alive has come to see your substance or behavior of choice as a life-giving life support. And it has put it on the same level as oxygen. So it is no wonder you have struggled to stop so many times. I want you to remember that you did not get sick overnight and you will not get well overnight. It takes time and practice and grace. So I want you to uh, put your hand over your heart and repeat after me. If you're driving, come back to this later, obviously, or just say it out loud. But there really is power in putting your hand over your heart. It's like giving yourself a hug. Um, So if you can, put your hand over your heart and say, I am not a failure. I am not less than. I am getting stronger every day. And I am going to overcome this. I will conquer this addiction and I will come out stronger. I am learning to love myself again and I will give myself grace. As I learn to live without depending on booze, drugs, or behaviors to meet my needs. I understand that my mind and body are eagerly working towards meeting my needs in the way I have for so long. But today, I take a stand and say no more. Today, I will begin to create new ways of coping with life and new ways of finding true joy.
I will copy and paste that into the show notes so that you can come back to it whenever you want to. There's something really powerful about speaking those words out loud to yourself. Um, What you say out loud, your brain takes as truth and will start to do whatever it can to make it a reality. Um, There is so much power in the spoken word. And so I truly want you to take some time and speak those words to you so that your brain can grab a hold of them and start to make them your reality. You are stronger and you will overcome. And today you can take a stand. So just save that, screenshot it, whatever you want to do. Um, but come back to it and remember those words. So number two is create the tape and then play the tape out. This step is especially useful if you find yourself at the foot of failure and you recently relapsed. I want you to take some time and write out how you are feeling right now um, in the face of failure. That way, when you are tempted to drink again, you can play the tape out, so to speak, in your head. So it looks something like this. Uh, When I first stopped drinking, I took the time to really reflect on my worst drunk and my worst hangover and what that looked like. Um, And I made this tape in my head of like, okay, if I drink, this is what's going to happen. This is where I'm going to end up. And this is how my life will be again. That way, when I am tempted to pick up that glass of wine, when everybody's having fun and the drinks are flowing, and I'm like, oh, I can just have one one drink, it'll be fine. I play that tape out in my head, and I remember where I end up if I take that one drink, if I take that one hit. What's going to happen? And that's called playing the tape out. So I want you to sit down and actually write out your tape and then play it back to yourself. That way, when you're in the heat of the moment, you're being triggered, you're being tempted, you can play that tape back and you can watch the video from beginning to end and remind yourself of why you don't want to go down that path. Helpful tip number three, track the triggers. If you recently relapsed, I want you to sit down and write down absolutely everything you can remember about the days and hours leading up to your relapse. As I've discussed in this podcast, the brain is a powerful thing. At this point, your brain is trying to do everything it can to get what it craves and you're starving it. Think the walking dead zombie and the hunt for human flesh, like your brain is mindlessly searching for the next fix or drink. Um, There was a study done and it shows that the brain can begin to process a trigger so quickly that it happens before your brain can even signal to your eyes that it has seen a trigger. Yes, Your body starts to crave your substance or behavior of choice before you can even register that you've seen a trigger. 
Isn't that insane? So it's for this reason that it is so important for you to be aware of what your triggers are so that you can start to brace yourself for them before they have a chance to trip you up. By tracing your triggers, you may discover that you didn't even realize what your triggers were. For example, I did not realize that the ritual of walking to the mailbox was a trigger for me because when I was using, I would say, I'm going to check the mail. And then I would hop on over to the local dealer's trailer and say hi. And then that led to us getting high. Common sense, right? But I didn't realize that the mailbox was a trigger for me until I started tracing my triggers. And I realized that each time I came back from the mailbox, I would start to sweat and crave. So I want you to write down everything you could taste, smell, see, hear, feel during the days or hours leading up to your trigger or cravings and see if you start to see any patterns. Then you can start to change the people, places, and things that are triggering you. It's really important to get them down so that you can see them on paper, though. And you can start to trace those commonalities. Above all else, friends, remember addiction isn't a moral failing on your part. It's a brain disease, and it should be treated that way. I hope this episode helps you to see that you aren't a failure for for relapsing. You are human. And if you woke up this morning, then you have another shot at it. Take it. As always, be well, be kind, and may you find some joy this week. If you need help quitting, please don't hesitate to reach out to me or the National Drug Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. I love you and stay safe.